This is Dr. What? Dr. Where? Stories of Rural Medicine. It's the podcast exploring what it's like to live, work and train in rural medicine across regional Victoria. Quality and improvement can be one of those daunting topics. Similar to research where the large-scale projects in this field can take up to a decade to complete. So it's easy to set it aside for a later point in your career when you're more established. But the similarities to research don't stop there. You might be surprised how easy it can be to get involved in established quality and improvement projects or even pursue smaller initiatives yourself while training. Dr. Nicola Ewan is the Clinical Director of Obstetrics and Gynaecology at Bendigo Health, as well as the Clinical Lead for Safer Care Victoria's Maternity and Newborn Division. She's a firm advocate for quality and improvement and says it's never too early to start getting into it. Yes, I think um, we just go back to why we all went into healthcare in the first place. We all went in with the idea that we would be able to make a difference and impact the lives of not just the patient in front of us, but hopefully more than that. Healthcare is incredibly complicated. We hear the challenges about original research and that it can take, I think the average is about 10 years for a piece of research to get into clinical practice. And that's an awfully slow journey. Whereas there are things that we see every day as bedside clinicians, that there are opportunities to improve what we do. And really, that's about how do we deliver the best care to the patient every time, which makes staff's life easier as well as improves care for patients. So if we know what we're doing and do it the same way every time, that actually helps both sides. How would quality and improvement factor into a a trainee's experience on rotation in a regional health service? Yeah, so I mean, I've had a fantastic experience with the trainees that come to me in obstetrics. We often get all our best ideas about improvement from our clinicians working at the bedside. The more they do and and the more they see, they've come up with these amazing ideas of how this could be done better. So, you know, we see some fantastic ideas about how we can best perhaps streamline the process of which patients get iron transfusions as opposed to oral iron therapy. So how do we actually make that that we do the consistency around every patient every time around who gets an iron transfusion and when do we do it and how do we do it? So those real bedside ideas come best from the clinicians involved. And what I see is that it's a real opportunity for me to teach the science around improvement to people who have got the bright ideas. So they come to me with the ideas and I've got the process. So like research, quality improvement is very process driven. It's, it follows really tight guidelines and formulas. And we set out with a very clear aim, which is very much like a hypothesis in research. And our goal is to achieve that aim. And then how we do that is really becomes part of your methodology. So there's not a massive difference in that scientific basis between quality improvement and research. And I think sometimes that's a bit overlooked and people think quality improvement's a bit a bit more relaxed, a bit more casual. It's not. It's just got just as much scientific rigor behind it. With larger long-term quality and improvement projects, the timeline for those can be quite considerable. So what's the scope for a trainee who's perhaps doing a rotation that might be only 12 months to be able to get involved in those sort of projects? Yes, I think there's a couple of ways through that. So certainly being involved in those massive scale projects is fantastic. I've I've had the opportunity to be the clinical lead for Victoria on two of our big obstetric and gynae projects. One was about reducing severe perineal tears and the other was about reducing stillbirths. And those are huge scale projects run across 40 different maternity services where there are hundreds of people involved. 
But still, at the end of the day, it comes back to what does one clinician at the bedside do to make a difference? So we break it right down. So the opportunity for trainees to be involved at that level is huge. Because while I've got all the ideas about what we want to do, they're the ones who come to me and go, yeah, that's not going to work. That's not how we do it. Or this is one way that we could achieve that. So really having that communication at that level is fantastic. But I guess one of the other opportunities is to see those little projects that can make a huge difference. So one of our trainees a couple of years ago got very much involved with me with postpartum hemorrhage. And we were looking at how do we squish the amount of time it takes us to give all the medical therapy for a PPA. How do we take out some of those decision steps and just automate it almost that those patients get the drugs as quickly as possible? And she helped design an intervention, which is basically the idea that you give a drug with what we call the chaser. So if you give one, you give the other, and therefore there's no decision-making in between. And she kept the data and showed that we had a huge and very significant and very quick improvement just by taking out that decision-making step. So rather than making it two separate drugs, we gave them pretty much as a combined drug. How does having some sort of quality and improvement experience on someone's CV perhaps set them apart from other doctors early on in their career? I look for that when I recruit people. So what I'm looking for is rather than a research project which may or may not apply to clinical medicine, what I want to see is that you've done quality improvement work as a clinician. That tells me lots of things. It tells me that, first of all, you've got some experience in the science of it, which is fantastic because it does require practice. But secondly, you're interested in improving the outcomes for your patients and you understand that relationship between quality improvement and the patient outcomes at the end of the day. So those are things that I definitely look for on a CV. I think that most of us who have gone through the Australian College training programs have had research sort of rammed down our throats. And certainly I've spoken a bit at length around I did that. I did two years in a laboratory doing RNA and Western blots and all the other science that comes with doing real lab research. But at the end of the day, what I found was that I made more of a difference as a clinician with learning quality improvement. And so when I'm recruiting people, I really look for those skills because I think that's where becoming a clinician in a hospital setting has got to be more than just what you do with a single patient. And this is one way that we can treat patients as a whole. And if a trainee's got some sort of idea in mind for a QI project, how would they sort of get it in motion while they're on rotation? Yeah, so the nice thing about QI and like research is it often doesn't involve ethics. So we can actually kick these things off really quickly. What I find is to get that achievement is to really narrow the scope. And a good example is going back to that PPH project I did with a registrar. We initially talked about quite a lot. And in the end, we came to this one tiny intervention. We're just going to change one tiny thing. And that was really just, we'll give two drugs instead of one. And that made a huge difference. So what I would love to see is people come with an idea and then we work it through. But what you will find talking to people who do QI is we'll narrow that down. So we'll make it really small. So I think one of the languages around quality improvement is soon is not a time and some is not a number. So we want to know exactly what we're going to do, when we're going to achieve it by, and what the outcome is going to be. We want to know that within six months or by this date, we're going to see a 20% reduction in X, Y, or Z. And that's where we start. So I think that those projects are very, very, very achievable in, you know, three, six or 12 month rotations. What about the minutiae of the different sort of frameworks of developing quality and improvement, all those sort of things? 
is there like a, a different approach between different health services, between different clinicians? How does it work in practice? Generally, what we are trying to do as a state, and this is certainly if I place my Safer Care Victoria hat on, is we're certainly trying to develop some methodologies. So we very much in Victoria using the IHI or the Institute of Healthcare Improvement methodology around quality improvement. That very much works along Deming was the grandfather of all of that. And that very much uses very strict ideas around really developing that aim, as I said, and then using PDSA methodology to really drive that improvement but to use data to measure your outcome and then of course the question as with all quality improvement is you see a change but how do you know a change is an improvement so how are you actually going to measure your endpoints so that you actually know that you've achieved what you wanted to achieve how do those sort of frameworks compare to what other states and other regions are doing Yes, there's quite a big diversity across. Certainly, I've had some involvement with working with the Clinical Excellence Commission in New South Wales and a similar body in Queensland now around some of the quality improvement projects that they're using. One of the disadvantages is that we all use something slightly different, but we're amazingly able to come together, particularly the stillbirth project I've mentioned is, is one that's running down the whole of the eastern seaboard, and we can really drive that Interestingly, Victoria is driving that with very clear methodology that's then actually taking off elsewhere as well. But I know that CEC and New South Wales are using similar science to what we're using. Some of the quality and improvement projects you've seen trainees put together over the years, have they been able to carry that on throughout the career, perhaps to their next rotation or to another health service? Yeah, certainly some of the ideas do translate across. It's amazing how catchy things can be. I had the opportunity recently to interview someone for a position here as a consultant who talked back to me about the idea of a PPH improvement project that involved a chaser theory. I went, hang on, that was my project. And so I'm having it fed back to me. And trainees very much then go back with ideas that they've had from Bendigo or from wherever they've been rotated to the city and take what is a relatively small idea in a smaller unit into a bigger unit and actually then make it fly there as well. So I think there are some benefits to doing quality improvement in a smaller, tighter unit. You tend to see the changes much quicker because there's less people that have to be corralled. And certainly that is one of the benefits of doing it in a rotation in regional centres and then taking that knowledge back into a bigger centre. But certainly we've seen that trickle through into certainly Monash have taken on some of our ideas and doing bigger scale projects with it. Does it have to be an either or in terms of QI versus research? Are you able to perhaps incorporate the two? Yeah, absolutely. I think they can be complementary, but they can also be really different. So I think there's lots of theory around research and and different ways of doing research. So is it qualitative? Is it quantitative? And we've all been involved in those type of projects. I think I like to see when trainees in particular go beyond an audit. I like to see where they've gone that one step further. Because we can audit and audit and audit. And one of the slides I love putting up when I talk about quality improvement is you don't fatten a cow by weighing it. So the idea is you can audit out of everything, but that's not actually changing anything. It's just giving you information about things. So I think that making a change is what's most important, be that through research. And as I said, quantitative and qualitative research is fantastic, particularly now the research around patient experience I think is really important. And I love to see when trainees, we've certainly got a couple here who are really involved in that patient experience qualitative research. And then, of course, QI sits against that as well. So 
if the patients are feeding back that their experience isn't flash, well, how can we make that a better experience for them? So what are we missing? And so they do interlink. And although the methodology is different, they can be very complementary. I'd love to see more QI being taught through medical school and encouraged. I think there should be a lot of training programs as an alternative to some of the research that we see, because I think, as I said, the research all too often becomes a rather simplified audit type process with perhaps an intervention. But to really get those wins that we all want to thrive on, we need to learn quality improvement just as much. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about the study and training opportunities across regional Victoria by heading to monash.edu forward slash medicine forward slash rural dash health. This episode was part of a series of conversations with doctors in regional Victoria. There's more episodes available which focus on a wide range of medical specialties. We're available anywhere you find good podcasts. The Northwest Victoria and Gippsland Regional Training Hubs have commissioned this podcast to help medical students and junior doctors learn more about training and practicing medicine in regional Australia. There are hubs all across the country. To find out where your nearest regional training hub is, visit the link in the episode show notes or just search regional training hubs. This podcast was brought to you by Monash Rural Health, edited by Emily Crawford and presented by Patrick Laverick. That's me and it was made possible by funding from the Rural Health Multidisciplinary Training Program at the Commonwealth Department of Health.